Well, this morning we are continuing on in our series that we began last week called The Heart of the Father. And if you weren't here with us uh, last week, really we kicked off this series talking about this idea that, that, that when we think of God, uh, we, 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 we want to think of him in, in three parts. That there is God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, who the Father sent, and then the Holy Spirit, who is uh, the, the, the Spirit of God that we still have here on earth today, who lives inside of us if we proclaim Jesus. But we've been trying to look at this idea of Uh, You know, February is usually, you know, Valentine's is this week. Heads up, everyone. If you haven't made plans yet, make some plans. Do something, uh, especially if you have a significant other. And uh, But we've been wanting to look at this idea of what does the heart of our Heavenly Father look like. And some of that was the idea to, first off, as we talked about last week, understand that at the center of the Father's heart is His children. That most of all, He deeply and desperately loves us. He longs to be with us. That is why he sent Jesus here on earth to make a new way to reconcile and restore a broken relationship with us because he deeply and desperately loves us. And he invites us to relationship. He invites us to his table, not because of anything we could do. And nor does he not invite us because of our unfaithfulness, but he desires to be with us because he is our father and we are his children. And he loves us. Nothing less and nothing more. And so out of that love, though, it means that we as followers of Jesus should care about things that Jesus cares about. We should have things that break the heart of the Father, which typically have to do with injustices to his children, which should break our heart and move our feet. And this morning, I'm so excited uh, because we are going to have a team of guys who uh, their hearts were broken, their feet were moved, and they went to uh, Haiti uh, to work with one of our partner ministries. But, I'll, but before we get into a little bit of that, and before I invite them up, I would love to read this scripture that comes from the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter 61. And this is an Old Testament verse. And this is a, a verse in which it's, it's, it's talking about Jesus coming. This is long before Jesus was ever made his, his physical appearance here on earth. But this is, this is sort of the, the mission statement of Uh, why Jesus was sent. And it just says this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has appointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and to release from darkness for the prisoners. He was sent for all of these things. This is how the message puts it. I love this too. The spirit of the master is on me because God has appointed me, anointed me. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to announce freedom for all captives, and to pardon all prisoners. I love this. And at the end it talks about too how he has been sent to comfort those who mourn. In Haiti, Haiti is a very impoverished place in uh, Haiti also there's a lot of injustice that happens there and the guys will share a little bit more about it but one of our partner ministries we partner with about 12 different ministries some are local some are statewide some are national and some are international one of our international ones is a ministry called Nadej Nadej was started uh, by a group of ladies here in Indiana um, but basically what they have done is they have been working to create a safe house uh, in Haiti uh, to help with women uh, who have been uh, subject to human trafficking and uh, sexual exploitation and domestic violence. Hey, uh, Nadej's uh, mission really is just this. It's simple. It's restoring hope to survivors of sexual violence in Haiti. And their key verse comes from the book of Hebrews, and it just says this. If we have this hope as the anchor for the soul, 
firm and secure. And their whole mission is to help reinvigorate hope into the lives of these women in which hope has been taken from them. Because of tragic injustices that have happened to them, uh, it's taken from them. Now, we here at South Creek love this ministry uh, because we really buy into the idea that part of uh, of, of what we as the body of Christ are called to do is to help restore hope. We're, we're to go and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's more than just words. It's also actions. It's also helping with the well-being of those uh, who have been involved in uh, injustices and things of that nature. And so I am so excited this morning. Uh, I'm going to have the guys come up here in just a moment, uh, and they're going to share about their experience in Haiti. They're going to share a little bit about their experience with uh, Nadej and what is going on there. So uh, at this time, if you guys will check out this video that's going to be up here uh, that one of the guys from the trip made, uh, I'm going to have the guys make their way up while the video is playing. Great. Josh Myers put together that video, and I'll let you. It makes me kind of want to dance a little bit. So, uh, found out it's about a hat. So, I was a little disappointed. I was kind of hoping there'd be a little bit more spiciness to the song, but it's a good song. Um, well, hey, I real quickly, uh, not everyone knows all of these good looking guys, uh, or Josh, um, but I would love for you guys real quick to uh, go ahead and introduce. I'm kidding. Come on. He would do the same thing to me. Um, I want you guys to real quick just introduce yourselves, and, and maybe as you introduce yourself, uh, maybe just real quickly uh, kind of give a uh, just the jobs that you did while you're there. So just each of you can kind of share what, what was one of the things that you did on this trip. Okay, my name is Andy Hardy, and I was Jonathan Lewis's apprentice. I was hanging dry, drywall. My name's Josh Myers. Is it not? Okay. Uh, I took 90% of what you see on the screen and helped Sean when I was bored. I'm Sean. Uh, I did all the drywall finishing. I'm Jonathan Lewis, and I hung, hang, hung drywall. Ryan Butcher. I was responsible for all wisecracks, um, <laughs> a drone operator, and I did uh, uh, electrical uh, apprentice-type work. Get your own mic. All right. Uh, I'm Chuck Roberts, and uh, I was a senior member of this uh, group. <laughs> uh, and uh, I set door frames and uh, heads on uh, all the doors. 
So, and, and you had your buddy Larry with you. Had my buddy Larry. Yeah, he, he cut him and I sat him and he did a good job. Uh, doesn't Chuck look amazing for 42? I mean, seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Senior if I only wish. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, so what we're going to kind of do this morning is I get to be sort of the interviewer, and uh, they're just going to kind of popcorn around sharing some of their answers uh, just about some of this trip. And obviously there's going to be pictures up, and so they may point out some stuff along the way. But um, if, if one of you would just like to kind of share with uh, what your big role was. We, we heard obviously some of the uh, – um, the jobs that you did, but what, what was the kind of the purpose of uh, the mission of this trip? You know, what, what what's going on with Nadej there, and why were you there? Any of you guys can say. Um, basically, just trying to get um, majority of the, the work done. Um, I believe they're opening in May. Yep. Um, so they're just kind of making a big push. I uh, found out when we were there, we were the largest group to go. Um, so Oki and, and Jay uh, are the fathers of Emily and Stuart Hayes, and they, uh, they were there um, kind of coordinating things and telling us what was most important to do. And what, what were you guys building? We were building a uh, uh, safe house for the women. I mean, basically, we were finishing. The, the walls on the outside was all up, and they had them all um, – uh, textured and, and they were in good shape on the outside. We was in the inside uh, fixing everything that they could get uh, uh, petitions and door frames and doors and, and whatnot like that. And then uh, um, basically, it's a place where the, they have a, where the women have a place to stay. The place is, com- is a compound. It has uh, walls all the way around it, block wall, goes up about eight and a half to nine feet, and then there's razor wire on top of that so nobody can get in. Big steel gate in the front of it, and uh, uh, they, it's locked at all times because if you left it open, there probably wouldn't be nothing there by the time you got back. So uh, that's basically what, what we did, what that was. Awesome. So what, um, what were things as far as, like, you guys obviously traveled in and around a little bit of Haiti between – uh, where you guys stayed and stuff like that. What were I'm, I'm curious to hear from you guys in general. What what about Haiti surprised you, or what did you learn about Haiti um, in general? That um, as you were there, you know, what what were things that either stood out to you that you were, um, you know, both either pleasantly or unpleasantly surprised about? Well, the first one that I was shocked is there's no traffic laws. Uh, you could be driving down the road and be faced with three abreast coming towards you at any. And it somehow we just got through. Uh, no speed limits, just speed bumps. No seat belts, and general chaos. But after a few days, you realize the system actually works. Like we didn't see a single accident. They figured it out. Survival of the fittest. Um, <laughs> one thing personally that affected me, the people that. I met on the street, the street vendors and different people, was the desperation behind everybody's eyes to survive. And I guess that's what shocked me the most, was the environment of desperation, just to live, to provide for your family. Um, That's really what got to me. 
since I've been before, I was, I was wanting to hear kind of, I, I guess my question for me is like, from the time you get out of the airport to that drive to Jock Mel, like what, uh, so in the van on the way from the airport to uh, Jock Mel, we go through Port-au-Prince, and that's our capital city, and it's still kind of devastated from the, the earthquake, and just to, uh, that's the initial shock, really. I thought it'd be coming right out of the airport, cause where guys usually are, are grabbing you like this to just to carry your luggage so you can give them, give them a buck. But that, we didn't really see that on, on this trip. But just, uh, uh, I just remember riding in the van, and uh, this is my third trip, and just still God breaking my heart. Uh, I promised Josh I wasn't going to get emotional, but just breaking my heart in that moment again of um, just how different life is there. Now, to them, surviving is probably the key word, but that is normal. For them, um, just like our life and our culture is is normal here, uh, but I think our hope is we see so much more potential for that country. Uh, on this trip, um, I saw the beauty of Haiti. Just the the land is so beautiful when you get kind of outside of the the towns, and uh, there might be a few few pictures. And we were just talking about, man, if the Dominican Republic can figure it out, why can't Haiti figure it out? It's just because the government's so corrupt there. It's it's just a uh, to losing losing battle, but um, yeah, just all from the bus ride to uh, uh, Jock Mel, just kind of breaking my heart uh, again um, there. So I don't know if anybody has anything else they want to add to that. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, you know, getting out of the airport, I didn't know what to expect whether whether it was going to be, uh, you know, just open land or you know, a, a densely populated city like we kind of saw, but. Uh, not only densely populated, but very dirty, trash everywhere, um, buildings that were very old, and uh, roofs that kind of had old tin metal just kind of patched in on the top. This was their their main city, um, and so uh, there there might be a few pictures up there that uh, kind of show that, but uh, just people on the streets everywhere. Uh, I know when we were returning home, Jonathan was asking, why are all these people out? And I was like, it's 6.30. They have no TV. Um, what else are they going to do? There's no street lights uh, for the most part. The, the only light that was in the city while we were driving through was the headlights uh, and the gas stations. They had lights. So, um, yeah, that was definitely, um, you know, a different experience from what we have day to day. Um, and as far as, you know, you know, they're all looking to, to make money in some way to support their families. And here, you know, you, you get a job, right? You, you've got something regular. Um, we, we had, uh, you know, two guys that were with us, Guy, um, who uh, interacts a lot with Nadej, um, and he helped, um, I guess, do a lot of the planning and stuff, but he also had a couple different drivers for us. Uh, one guy, John, um, was, was with us, and, you know, I was asking him what he does. He, he had kind of told me about a couple different things he had done here and there with different missionaries and kind of doing logistics, you know, getting people from here to there. He had... Um, I asked him where he learned English. He said he just kind of picked it up. <laughs> so starting out as a bus driver, kind of kind of learning that. And then I asked, you know, well, what are you doing now? And he said, well, I'm just hustling. So basically just looking for whatever opportunity that comes up at the time. He's living with his parents. He's mid-30s. Um, and, and, you know, just looking for that next thing, looking for, for uh, what he can do. And, and I think he's actually one of the guys that's probably be better off there in Haiti. So 
Um, I'm sure there are people that have regular jobs, maybe <laughs> a few of them, but it's not the commonplace like you have here. So, uh, uh, Sagi was our, was our main driver. He was a pharmacist. His wife was a doctor, but they couldn't make a living at it because so much of the stuff that comes into uh, uh, Port-au-Prince and to Haiti is from outside countries which want to help. So therefore, all the drugs and, and the, the uh, care that, that uh, they can bring in doesn't allow them to make a good living. That's something that kind of surprised me. And uh, the, uh, when he's talking about Port-au-Prince, when you go through the when you go through the main part of town, that's where the fault line was at when they had the earthquake. So right in the center of town, went to, with the road that we was on, which had been paved over. That's, Part of it was about the only good thing it was, but you still saw the rubble and, and the destruction on the sides. And they don't build to hurry up to get done. They build as they go. When they can, when they can pay off a, a, a certain part of their building, by then that's as far as they stop when they get finished. Then they'll wait maybe two or three years, then they can go ahead and start building up. So some of these houses that you see are being fixed up as a work in progress, which I, I thought was kind of interesting. It's, it's interesting you guys bring up some of the, uh, if, you, if you want to read an interesting book, this is a side note, check out a book called Toxic Charity, and it will explain a little bit of some of the dynamic of sometimes when uh, we're helping, it can actually be detrimental to um, just different people, like you mentioned, the people not being able to support the job that they were, you know, educated to do because of so many people helping. But, Sean, did you want to add something? Oh, dang it. Oh, just holding. Okay, cool, 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 cool. So you guys have talked a little bit about it, but I'm curious anymore, uh, as far as like your interaction with the people, um, you know, what were they like? What, what did you feel like in terms of connection? Did you feel um, they were similar to us, different to us? What, you know, what were some of your, uh, you know, encounters uh, with them? Um, there was a guy I met, John, um, at the cafe we would eat lunch at, and he was very interested in what we were doing here, and um, so I kind of explained that. Um, he just expressed gratitude, was very thankful, um, because he said their government doesn't do anything, um, and yet we come from different countries and uh, try to help and rebuild and teach and learn and um, bring hope um, to Haiti. So. That's kind of what I got from John. Uh, so I think this story, I'll keep this short. Okay. The story, uh, I we, we had an issue on the commute from Jacmel back to Port-au-Prince, and we were sitting in a van on the side of the road for a couple hours, and we had all of our suitcases on top, and we didn't really know when we were getting through. I'm going to keep this as vague as possible. And so we're sitting there, and we're in the bus just talking about what's going on, how long we're going to be here. And there were even times we were like, I think we acknowledged, if we're honest, that it felt kind of weird. We felt suspicious, like van full of white dudes, all their gear on top, like just people walking around. They lean on the van, like look out the back window, somebody's just leaning on the van. It just felt weird. And so there were times I felt not attacked, but I felt like we were not in a great place. 
And so we sat there for a few hours, and it got to where we knew this wasn't going to be a short stay. And so nature called, and we needed a place to go to the restroom. So we talked about it, and we were like, yeah, we'll wait and see what happens. And, I mean, it was probably two hours in, we get out, and we go to the bathroom. And then we're like, well, it's nice out here. Let's just sit outside. And by the end of it, I mean, a couple hours, we had become friends with people. Someone asked Ryan for his phone number. We, like, someone literally, there's a picture of me drinking out of a coconut that someone just sent over who was talking to Guy. And so it, it was like a heart check for me that I felt so at risk or, like, so targeted. And then as soon as we get out and actually start talking to people, they were like, nice. There it is. Beautiful. That's also my only appearance on screen. Um, it, was, it was like they were so willing to help us and, like, wanted to talk to us and know why we were there. I mean, we did stick out. But they wanted to know, like, what brought us to town. And so that kind of convicted me. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, we, we because of the work we were doing, we really didn't have the same kind of interactions that I know Andy had on his previous trips where he really kind of mingled with, um, you know, the people of Haiti. Um, you know, we went to a hotel, um, had dinners, uh, you know, so it was basically, you know, the, the regular people, like if you were staying somewhere else, we'd go to the job site, uh, stay in our van most of the time. And, uh, you know, the, the few people that we did interact with were either our drivers or, um, you know, or, or other people around. I know uh, Jonathan uh, communicated with a the farmer there that kind of looked over the property, made a little deal with him. But, uh, yeah, I, I think early on, um, I think we were a little bit intimidated, right, because we were the odd men out. And we didn't know, okay, do they are they skeptical of us or um, – or are they, you know, accepting of us? But, you know, as we got there, I think we did get more comfortable. And, uh, you know, anybody that we did talk to, they were, they were great to talk to. And, and uh, you know, if, if we didn't have the language barrier there. So Jonathan wants to tell about his farmer, dude. No, not really. But I do want to tell you about another person. I was waiting for our lunch order, and I walked outside the door, and there's a couple street vendors there. They're always... I felt hounding us. They're desperate. They, they, they need the money. And I said, maybe later, maybe after lunch. And I went over next door. There was a chapel. And this guy came up next to me and whispering something to me in Creole. And he had this piece of paper. He kept showing it to me and trying to explain to me. And I finally figured it out. It was a doctor bill. It was a medical bill, and he's asking for help. And it's like, oh, you know, I'm not in a position to do that. But I just sensed that that desperation that we don't get here in our lives very rarely. And um, that was overwhelming to me. And then when we finally did go to see, we went, after lunch we went out and they had lined up a bunch of vendors because they heard that we might spend something. And um, just the desperation, I've never been in that situation. I've been to Shipshawana. I've been, I've been on cruises. <laughs> I've been places where there's vendors. And they just stand there. They just sit there and wait for you to come by. You just, you know, walk by. It's no big deal. It was a big deal for them, and they were competing for each of us, and it was a new experience to me. And the gratitude when I did spend money, it was like, here's $10, and it was like huge. It like made their month for that one item. So here's another question that I'm curious about in um – I, I, I'm curious to, I want to hear your answers, but I'm also curious if maybe some of you want to explain 
um, some of that. You know, what about Nadej and their, their mission, their ministry excites you? And in particular, you know, I, I'd love for you to explain to them, you know, one of the things that I've understood part of their vision is to really uh, empower um, local native leaders. So would someone just want to share what, they, what excites them about Nadej and maybe even just a little bit about that whole model? Um, well, for me, um, you know, we've kind of known about and been plugged into Nadej uh, for, for a little while, my wife and I, so um, have been involved in the gala events, the breakfast with Santa. Um, you know, Emily has come here and um, talked about Nadej on a Sunday morning, and, and you know, Angie and I um, decided that we wanted to kind of partner with them and, and give monthly to their mission. So um, I had wanted to go on a... Uh, um, a mission trip at, at some point and this opportunity to go with, you know, guys from this church and, uh, um, you know, and go to something that I'm already kind of invested in, um, seeing people that already have a vision for, um, for Haiti, right? There, there's definitely a need there. I, I'm not one coming up with, uh, I want to do this here, but I, I do look around and see um, people that are doing something with a with a purpose and a mission with Christ at the center of it, and with this specific one, you know, looking at women that have been uh, sexually abused and um, and just finding a place to, to give them healing. Um, you know, as I think about what Jesus did, Jesus went out and, and he healed people. Um, you know, cast demons out of them and things like that. You know, they're not doing that, but they're still interacting with people, uh, meeting their needs. Um, and then sharing the gospel with them, giving them skills, and just trying to help out. So, you know, for, for myself, I, I like to see that and want to partner with it. And, and uh, you know, just this opportunity allowed me to go and just kind of be more than just a financial partner with it, but actually go out and, um, you know, put my hands on the, the, the site and, and invest there. And just see a little bit more about it instead of just hearing and seeing pictures and things like that, actually being part of it a little bit more. That was a great opportunity for me. Okay. I think because um, once they open Nadej, the, the goal is not to have men there really anymore. Um, I, I, and I talked to uh, Oki and Jay, and I said, well, at some point it might be a good idea for – a godly man to go to show these ladies what what a godly man looks like because a lot of them don't know. But this is probably probably the only opportunity that we might have as men to go go to Nadej and just to kind of be on the forefront of that was uh, was awesome because we even talked last spring about hey I've, I'd like to get a team to go to Haiti and um, uh, Jamie's on the Nadej board now and and we know a lot about him and so uh, it's just perfect timing but to to know what god's going to do there for generations to come in these ladies lives and maybe these ladies have kids that will be there and just how for generations that uh just because Stuart and emily hayes were obedient to god's calling that um he's going to be glorified through it through it all and um yeah it's just i think just praying out front uh at at Nadej, before we, we left, just uh, a blessing over it was was pretty special uh, moment, too. You know, one of the things that, if, you're, if you want to know, that one of the reasons we like to partner with them, too, is part of their vision and their model is to 
provide this safe place of healing for these women, but also to help empower them as they leave. So they don't just have them for a moment. But from what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys may know more, is that they help empower them to be able to possibly get some microfinancing loans and be able to figure out ways to provide for themselves afterwards. And um, we're really passionate as a church in supporting ministries that aren't just ministry that give out fish, but also teach people to fish. Because uh, we believe, as Ryan kind of brought up but with, with healing, healing is more than just a momentary thing, but healing is something that is supposed to provide to give people a new life like Jesus would want. So, um, All right, so here's kind of my, my final question. It's sort of like a two-part question. Is uh, One, how did this experience just grow you as a follower of Jesus? And uh, what would you say about, because one of our goals is, is, you know, we may not be able to send men back to Nadej, but one of our goals is, as a church, this is kind of a, a long prayed about thing, is, um, is the idea of having a little bit more of a global impact of just getting beyond the walls and, and experiencing these. So, so what about this um, experience uh, impacted you as a follower of Jesus, and, and why would you recommend someone going on a trip, whether international or not, but a cross-cultural mission trip? What, why, what would be your, your thought on that? For me, it was a need to, to uh, be of help. I've always worked with my hands, and so that's what that's what I can do to help. There's other, a lot of these guys here know that uh, uh, when it comes to electronics, I was not the one to be talked to about it because uh, I had a hard time with sticky notes, let alone anything else. So, <clears throat> so they took they took good care of me. But I, I will say this, and we're all called for mission trip. We're all called for missions. Wherever you sit, wherever you walk, when you get out this door, 360 degrees around you is your mission. doesn't make any difference whether you're called to go across the sea. doesn't matter whether you got something here in town or you got uh, humanity, uh, Habitat for Humanity. You've got your workplace. You've got your friends. Whatever that is, that's your mission. We had a mission that's the road on the wall. He was talking about the mission of the, of the church. That's our mission. So no matter where you're at, no matter what you do, no matter who you're with, you've got a mission. And as for these young men here, they're just starting out. God's built fire underneath these folks. And uh, I, like I told them, I, I, I didn't start my mission work until I was 50 years old after my 50s. They're starting, and they got a whole lifetime that they can go. I've got more days behind me than i got in front of me. <laughs> so, But these guys have got a good start. And if you want to go along and you want to be uh, blessed, then do a mission. you got plenty of opportunity because it's all around you. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with Chuck. You know, we've got mission here. We've got mission within the states. And then we also have some – sometimes we have these opportunities. Um, I, I don't think it is necessarily for everyone because it does cost to go in most cases. And, and that might not be um, in in your uh, financial planning. Uh, but, you know, even if you can't go to Haiti, you know, there's stuff here that you can do. Um, and, and I think for me, um, you know, the biggest – 
way that I was blessed out of this was just seeing, um, you know, I think when we walk around and we live here, we kind of get numb to, to things um, because we've got entertainment, we've got uh, um, luxury, convenience, and everything everywhere. Um, and so, I, you know, I think just going there and kind of stripping a lot of that away and, you know, even, even though we were um, fairly well off on this trip, you know, just seeing and thinking about things, um, you know, that we don't experience. Um, so that's kind of where God was working with me the most. And, and kind of uh, some thoughts of, you know, back in Jesus' day, you know, they're on camels, they're, they're bringing donkeys, they're working, um, you know, and these the people over there had a lot of conveniences that, that weren't then, but it kind of at least put me a little bit closer to kind of reading things in, in the context of um, just a, a, a little bit more simpler world. So I think for me, for just a few days, I got to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Um, for me in my busy life, I don't get that opportunity, I feel, and for that short period of time, I got to be his servant. Because um, Jesus, I think you mentioned it, Jesus touched people. He didn't send money. He, he touched people. And for a short period of time, I was able to be a part of that, and it blessed me. I um, was just thankful to be able to go to use my talents um, for the, the long term, um, like Andy was explaining um, it really wasn't about the drywall, the building. It's about God's kingdom and the lives that are going to be going through that um, and being restored with hope in Christ. Um, that's just, that's huge. Um, probably the most, the biggest thing um, was definitely the different in cultures. Um, everything's just a little bit slower there and um, just just different. It's kind of hard to explain in words, um, but it was just uh, blessed to be able to go and have some fun times with these guys um, along the way. Uh, we had a lot of laughs, um, that's for sure, and uh, um, yeah, it was good. They did so well. I'm not going to ruin it. No, I believe in you, Josh. Come on. You're going to do well. What, what is there to say? I hesitated. Okay, yeah. so I guess my answering the same question would be, when I first heard about the trip, I'm like, yeah, I'm going. It's Ryan, it's Andy, it's Nadej, who I've helped with for a while. And so I'm like, I'm going. And there was this split second when I, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, forgot to do my immunizations, where I was like, this is my out. I'm like, I got like a week, and I have no health care. Like, this is my chance. And then probably my wife pushed me to go or something. I was like, okay, I'm in. And then even on the plane, there was a split second. I'm like, am I really doing this? I was like, it was like I had never thought it through. I was just like, yep, I'm in. And then I'm glad I went. I'll just say that. I mean, how was that? It's great. You did very well. Um, I, uh, for me, I, I just, I thank you for saying yes. When I got put this on my heart, I didn't seek one person out. I just prayed, got up here and talked. And um, Jay and Oki uh, said, Within the four days we were there, no team got as much done as we did, and that's that's probably because we had a lot of carpenters and contractors, and and then there's Josh and me. So um, 
appreciate you guys. <laughs> appreciate you guys uh, going. Um, I think f- for me is just reaffirming Christ is real again um, th- through these guys. Um, just uh, one moment for me. Um, we each had uh, a partner in our uh, hotel that we slept with, and then I uh, slept. Guy was in my room, and then Jay comes up to me, which I knew Guy, and then Jay comes up to me while we're at the work site and says, Andy, Guy's not going to be in your room tonight, another Haitian, and I don't know him. And for me, in that moment, I paused, and I'm like, ooh. You just instantly kind of fear the worst a second, and I was like, man, I got a family. I, like, um, and then I'm like, nope. God's got this. And it ended up being John Robert and, and John's getting married, uh, soon. And, uh, he was only with us for about 24 hours. And, um, uh, can I say one thing about John? Yeah. We got in the car and he goes, uh, where are we going to eat? You guys, we got Chick-fil-A, we got McDonald's. <laughs> he, he wasn't serious, but he was fun. Yeah, he's a good guy. And, and Jonathan and I were working on some drywall in, in this front room, and, and John was getting ready to go back. And I knew probably won't see John again in my life. And uh, I knew he was getting married, and I'm like, man, I need to pray with this guy. I, just, I need to pray with him. And he goes and gets in the van. I'm like, man, I missed the opportunity. Luckily, he comes back in. And I'm like, Jonathan, I'm going to get him. So we brought him in, and we, we prayed for him and his engagement and marriage. But that just kind of leads into to, to you guys, uh, Chuck's right, our, our mission fields around us, um, but there will be other mission trips. And don't, don't say, too, that, oh, I'll go, I'll go in 20 years, I'll go in 30 years, because we don't know if we have it. Um, don't say no right off the bat. Think about it, pray about it. Uh, God will change your life. Uh, God... God probably changed our lives more on this trip than what we did did there in Haiti. So um, I'll be going back. It probably won't be for Nadej. It'll probably be for Heart to Heart, which is an orphanage, or it'll probably be uh, 117 International, which is a school. And I'd really like for men and women to go on that trip together. So if you're a, a couple, um, I got some things going on in my life coming up here in the next uh, year that probably won't allow me to do it, but here in the next two to three years, um, if, if, if just be praying about that. I don't know what that looks like or what it's going to be, but uh, there'll, be, there'll be more opportunities. It might not be Haiti. It could be Guatemala. Who knows? Um, so, Awesome. Yeah, we, you know, if you don't know this, we have four core values here. Gather, grow, give, and go. And the go is both our, our local mission field, our all around, as all the guys said, but truly, one of my hopes as, as the pastor of this church is to get us farther beyond our comfort zone. Because I think, as these guys would probably um, agree, there's something about proximity changes perspective. That when, when we are having to be in places where we might be a little uncomfortable, when we're rubbing shoulders with people who are different than us, it can change our perspective. And, you know, Jesus talks about this idea in, in the Gospel of Matthew 25. You know, he, he's talking about how there are these moments where he said, you know, come into the kingdom of God because, you know, when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, uh, you gave me something to drink. And all of them are like, we never saw you. And he's like, no, no, no. When you did it for one of the least of these, you also did it for me. 
And so that's why I'm, I'm so excited for us to have the opportunity, um, you know, because Jesus was sent, as we talked about at the beginning of the message, uh, to heal and restore. And, uh, you know, we're called to still be his hands and his feet and join in that uh, work till to restore those people back to a relationship with Christ. Hey, would you give it up for these guys? They're going to head down and we're going to close out with one last short song. And uh, I'm going to really quick invite up the... Uh, ushers to come forward as we're going to play just a short song. If you want to stand real quick as we're going to sing uh, one short song. Uh, we want to do one last thing, one last opportunity. Again, we will be uh, letting you know in the future about some new ways. In fact, next Sunday we have another guest coming about, and he's going to share a little bit about some of the ways that we could uh, be involved with our local mission field. I'm really excited for that, so be here. Um, but one of the ways we want to extend the opportunity to be involved in what uh, the work that's going on in Haiti and Nadej is we're going to do a special uh, offering. And uh, if you're not prepared to give uh, with either a check or cash, uh, if you go to our website or if you do the text to give, which the information is in uh, the bulletin, there's an option that'll where you'll be able to pick general, um, next campaign, preschool, or if you choose Nadej, all of the funds that we'll take today, and we'll leave it up for this week if you want to go online later, all of that we will make sure goes directly to Nadej and the work that they're doing. So um, pray with me real quick, uh, just a blessing over this offering. God, I thank you just so much for who you are. God, we thank you for the men who went. God, we thank you for Nadej and the vision of it. And God, we want to be involved. We want to be the hands and feet God, we want to be the senders and the givers. We want to have some skin in the game. So God, bless the offering we're about to receive for Nadej. Would they know that we love them and that we're all in and that we want to help restore hope in Haiti. And God, so much of it has to do with this idea that God, we believe that part of the work that we're doing is helping people, our neighbors, our brothers and sisters in Haiti re-understand their identity as sons and daughters of the one true King. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.